Welcome to Pardon the Apocalypse. This is Chuck, and I am Justin. How are you today, Chuck? I'm pretty good. Today's conversation, we're going to be looking at AI reading your poker face. Now, your poker face used to be something that humans used to be able to pride themselves on, something we could hide from other people, something bots just couldn't do. But that's no longer the case. Bots are now able to, or AI I should say, are able to read micro expressions, which are tiny little movements, just like a regular expression, but they're so small that we may be able to hide them from other people, we can't hide them from the AI anymore. Which means, yes, AI can officially beat humans in poker. Well, I, I mean, as far as like, for reading poker faces, or even like just facial recognition in general, that could be a big problem. We had talked previously, about how China's got facial recognition and has for years, and you can jaywalk in China and they'll just send you a message on your phone that said, oh, I took $10 out of your account because you broke the law. Well, I'm, I'm not trying to have that happen here. That part of AI could be a problem, I suppose. Yeah, I'm assuming with AI being able to read more and more of us, basically interpret our intentions at some point, we'll probably see a lot more to that. Here in the U.S., yeah, I mean, we're innocent until proven guilty, but over there, I'm I believe that incident you're talking about, like they're ticketing you and taking the money out of your account before yeah. you get to the other, before you get to the other side. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, we know who this is and where they live and where they're in China. All your everything's your bank account, and the government, your job, it's all tied together. So they can get, oh, yeah. it's all one big system that they can just be like, oh, we know this guy and where he lives, and we're just going to charge him ten bucks for breaking the law. One big social credit yep. score. Yep, the know. social credit score. Yep. Mysteriously, banks don't work. No FDIC insurance. Hey, let's go protest. Oh, wait a minute. How did everyone end up with COVID on our <laughs> on our record? Now we can't travel to go protest yep. know, kind of deal. <laughs> I had a, a little conversation this morning with somebody about Elon Musk's Neuralink. And again, like I said earlier, maybe I'm just a little bit more naive than other people. But I am not concerned about it. This guy was going on telling me about how, oh, you're not worried they're going to control your brain with the microchip and blah, 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 oh. blah. And I'm like, dude, you you haven't looked into anything. You haven't like, vetted any of these claims that you're hearing about. Like, they're not going to, you can't control somebody's brain just because there's a microchip in their brain that talks to a robotic arm. His nerves all link up. Some people don't. You know, put yeah, that's time. a little bit far fetched. You know, thinking yeah. like, hey, they're going to be able to control every single neuron every little pathway i think you know between that junction like there's a lot of training that goes on oh. between the two just to even get that to work yeah you know like you said even with the legs like it's got to be real particular <laughs> you've got to get all your essentially like neurons i guess lined up so that whatever whatever kind of connection you're making with the microchip in your head's got to be perfect to line up with the the nerves and so on to get your robotic arm working as if it was a yeah because if you're not stimulating those particular neurons yeah. that are attached to, I mean, or if it's some other ones, it, it just wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's one of those real invasive ones. I think that's where a lot of people, you know, jump to. They're like, oh, hey, the, you know, the brain interface is obviously the most invasive because you have to go in and attach a literally to attach circuits <clears throat> to neurons, you know, to make that work. You know, and then there's other ones. I mean, the more invasive ones do work, give you a lot more insight. I know like with MRIs, like, with several hours of training and getting people to watch video like, hey, this is a boat, this is a train, different things like that, the MRI is able to kind of learn those patterns and they can actually reproduce, you know, what 
people are thinking in their dreams even hmm. you know it might show like a sidewalk and someone walking down the sidewalk you know actually in their real dream it was the sidewalk was going a different direction or something but you know it has the same basic components and they can reproduce that especially with a lot of this ai uh different things he said hey a, a person walking down a sidewalk it can reproduce some video for us now and we're still in the infancy of that but uh, it's kind of interesting that mri works it actually uh, all the firing neurons need oxygen so when there's that short period of time where you have a little bit of deoxygenated blood right there you know the mri can pick up on it and say mm-hmm. hey this is where the activity's going it learns the patterns of where it's seeing that activity you know I mean, if we go on down the line too you got eeg where it's looking at the different you know slight voltage differences you know they're happening which less invasive you know you just have this little cap on with its little sensors and you know we have all, all the little white dots everywhere yeah and hanging off as i know i don't know of any company that forces someone to wear any kind of hat like that i know that there are some companies i know like in china that do force uh people to wear a hat but i believe most of that's like uh keeping track of your your voice uh you know your geolocation oh, you know, who so you're getting in china that they're tracking everything they possibly yeah. can so yeah supposedly the company has saved something like 315 million dollars with it and of course the employees are like hey they're reading my mind but more than anything i mean they're probably looking at the voice like hey uh, what's the fatigue in the voice the strain are they out of breath you know with the pitch change yeah you know they're trying to interpret that emotional state basically they're trying to figure out you know keep people from you know being an enraged state right. doing something crazy right and on other side i mean so they can do different things like hey change what workstation you're at who you're working with for the day do you need an extra break you know things like that i mean article i read on it was from chinese you know media so everything was in great light you know so they can organize breaks which made it sound like hey we're gonna add breaks here but didn't say they wouldn't Take, take them breaks away, away yeah. or just not give breaks if you're not well our fatigued. bio signs say that you're not tired so you can just keep on working yeah you're uh you're two st- standard deviations from passing out mm. so uh you should be fine right you should be okay <laughs> you'll be all right kind of like all the people at amazon breaking their bodies <laughs> i don't i i, I kind of think it wouldn't yeah. yeah i'm not one of those people that dreams like i don't dream very often and if I do, it's not for very long, and I'm probably not going to remember it. Like once a year, I'll get like a 30-second dream that I remember, and it's probably gone in like 10 minutes after that. So I, it w- I wouldn't mind a, some kind of technology. Like let's say somebody's got Neuralink or something and has problems. Not not that I would go out of my way to put a computer in my brain just so it could see my see dreams. See thoughts are. Yeah, well, because I don't get to see them while I'm sleeping, and everybody else gets to enjoy their dreams, and I don't. So it wouldn't. Interesting. Just to it would think be what, interesting to see what the computer could be like. Hey, this is what happened in your mind last night that you would have never have known because you don't get to dream. It'd be interesting, you know, just kind of for you know self reflection, kind of what's going through your head. I mean, it can kind of give you an idea, you know, emotional state, what you're thinking, you know, how your day has went. With an MRI machine, they're able to put someone in that big loud machine for several hours, put different pictures and images and different things in front of them. It learns the patterns. It knows. You know, it learns when you're seeing a particular thing and it can kind of put that stuff back together. Is it anywhere perfect? No, it's far from it. But I mean, yeah, I mean, that'd be kind of interesting, you know, from like a therapy standpoint, you know, Mm -hmm. say if someone went to war or something, you know, kind of see what's in their dreams, you know, the different things that are popping up, you know, even if it's they're not using if they don't want to train it on all the images so much. I mean, even if it was just on a keyword, you know, they could probably do that. Some of that with uh, MRI or maybe Maybe not, not so much EEG, I guess. But yeah, yeah, from therapist therapy standpoint, seeing what people are are thinking, basically. Well, to some degree, and I guess this is probably 
um, that could be considered invasive to some people seeing what my dreams are. You know what I mean? Like, say you're having a dream and your therapist wants to know what's going on in your dream so they can understand better what's going on in your day to day. But that could be you might not want your therapist to know what's going on in your dreams, even though you don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, because so, I mean, you know, from the privacy standpoint, we've always had this little fortress called oh, yeah. our called our, our head. You our know, head, we yeah. could be inside there, and other people couldn't get inside for the most part. And now maybe but, they can. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that you know, and that's a big thing with you know, especially with therapy. I mean, it, if you had the power to pull that out of someone, I think realistically, trust wise, you know, you would want the other, you'd want that person to be a willing participant in that when they're ready to give up that information, right? You know, yeah, it's kind of when they take it out of their brain while they're sleeping. Yeah. Kind of I mean, if, at the same time, though, if somebody witnessed the murder and they're not going to tell you, but you know that they know who did it. Yeah. There could be an argument to say, OK, well, you need to knock him out and go into his mind and see who, who did this. And I always, but that's also intrusive. And, you know, I always find that interesting, too, because, I mean, there's a lot that can be derived from a polygraph test if you can get a good baseline without people messing with that i mean there's a lot of different ways that people will mess with that because when someone's going to let's say someone's going to tell a lie heart rate and just different things you know physiologically are going to kick up in a second they're going to pick up on that so to cheat that a lot of times going into tests they'll be like they'll try and kick up their heart rate a little bit you know different things like that so that way the baseline is higher when they do lie it baseline's matches, in line with matches the, baseline yeah. ma- matches that lie or the fact you know you asked me uh you know something you know, if I, where I ate at today, you know, and I lie and say, Hey, I ate somewhere else. Well, I just need to think of something else that's actually true while you're asking that, me that. And then I'm going to be able to pass a lot either easier or the fact that if I'm just a flat psychopath and yeah. lying has no physiological response from me, like, disconnected I think that's me. a little bit unfair. You know, the psychopaths are doing great on these tests. Yeah, passing know? every single one of them. Cause <laughs> every they can single just, one. <laughs> they can, they, well, and they live in their own lies too. So, like their their oh, brain, is, it. yeah, they're believing it. So their brain's not gonna their their brain's not gonna kick up dirt when when somebody's like, "Oh, did you do this? Oh, I didn't do that." Because in their mind, they didn't do that. You know, in, in a weird way, were they the uh, forerunners of personal truths? Yeah, you know, like my personal truth is yeah, this. I mean, they might have been there before we were. <laughs> yeah, the first people for you know, ignorance is bliss too. They're they're happy because they live in their own world. They don't think. Like they got their own things going on, and regardless of what's going on outside their world, what's going on in their world is what's going on. That's a hundred percent of everything. You know, yeah, there is nothing else of value unless it's yep. tied to them, them, yep. their ego, <laughs> somehow or another. But yeah, and I think one of the things people look at a lot of these real invasive technologies, they're always like, "Yeah, I'm not going to get the chip in my head. No one's putting that little. No one's putting me in an MRI machine. No one's putting that." EEG, you know, hat on me where I have to have these sensors up against the skin of my, you know, head so that way it can read those little voltage differences. But I, I think one thing people don't realize, you know, it's like with the world of Google and all the other different ways that, that we're being, you know, monitored. So, I mean, they, they can look at our voice, like I was saying, you know, the pitch, you know, intensity, other different things. They can look at skin temperature off of, let's say, a camera, you know, if someone's flush, you know, maybe they're, you know, uh, see something they like or they're aroused in some way. Maybe there's a cute, you know, guy or gal in the room. Um, you know, they can, it can interpret our increased pulse rate. It doesn't necessarily have to have a sensor on it. It can just look at our breathing rate and be like, hey, this guy's kind of breathing more. He's moving around more. Um, you could look at eye direction. It can figure out what things you're interested in or mm. people you're interested what, in. What make keeps your attention on. longer. And yeah. So on. So, you know, and you, they could look, if it has a really good image on the camera, it can figure out, 
you know, like dilation of the eyes, you know, what level of response to see something, you know, we really want to buy or someone we might be attracted to, or even if we're afraid of genuinely afraid of something, you know, like a bear or, or if we're afraid of another person, you know, it can interpret a lot of that information by our eyes dilating you know, or how much, you know, focus we have and how hard we're working on. And something. it's not something we can even control that. Yeah. You know, that we could be trying our damnedest to lie about something and the, the camera's going to, uh-uh-uh. Yeah. They saw your eyes dilate. Your cheeks are getting a little higher temperature than they were a minute ago, so you're getting flush. Yeah, I, I, I could try and control my uh, my breathing, you know, my body language, but even with body language, that's tough. But when it comes to micro expressions, like I said, we can we can hide them from other humans, but these little you know micro movements of the face, you know, we can't hide these from the AI. The AI is too good right now. Mm-hmm. And let's say if we take all these different technologies where the, all they need is a camera or a microphone, you know, think of how much they can derive from us. And they're also looking at all of our different clicks and our behaviors online and what we're doing. You know, all this stuff accumulates. They can figure out a lot about us. And it just, it leaves us nowhere, nowhere to hide. Well, it wouldn't take them, it wouldn't be hard for them to infer other things either. Like even if they don't have a data to back something up specifically, they might be able to go, oh, well, every time our cameras... Every time this person saw this, their eyes dilated, and and that happened in a, a thousand different people. So we can just infer that this is a good product, or eventually, like if that takes over advertising or something like that. Well, let's say if you go into a everything will be targeted. Every single thing will be even more targeted. Oh, yeah, more targeted than it already than it is. already is. Yeah, because they know. Oh, well, when they're walking down the cereal aisle, maybe their eyes dilate or flicker back and forth to this one five times and this one once you know what i mean and if they have that information then then like the targeting is just going to get even worse yeah, think, think of the metrics that they're not recording yet like if i'm in a exactly. supermarket and exactly. i look at something for a few seconds you know it knows how long i've looked at every single item and it finds stuff in the human nature that we've never found before i mean if you look hard enough i mean they'll find new things you know? or it could even use it to make up suggest new products to the company oh they like cherry flavored ice cream and pop tarts why don't we make cherry pop tarts if we've got a lot of people that would probably eat those based on these other yeah preference or whatever so i mean they're definitely learning especially if they especially if it was like a an ai computer or ai camera in a grocery store where they have access to thousands of people on a regular basis to record information from yeah i'm right with you on that i'm afraid of going to a car lot and you know that generally speaking you're there's so much of the price at most car lots that you can get them to come down. On yeah, the it's, it's, it's like 90, it's, it's like 80% markup or something. Yeah, it's part of the song and dance. There's, yeah. there's an expectation that price will come down a little bit. Let's say uh, your eyes light up looking at a car, you know, the AI camera up top, you know, sees it. And it knows, price a little it bit. knows on that one, we're not, we're not budging. Right. You know, we're not moving we're at not all on that price. We're going to get everything we can out of you. It's the same or, thing. Or even more, squeak a little bit more out of him. We know he really wants it. You know, maybe we can squeak an extra four thousand dollars out of yeah. it or something. Well, and there used to be a little trick. A lot of people would get onto Amazon. They look for all the stuff they wanted. They'd go ahead and fill everything out, fill up the cart, and they get to checkout. They close it. They do not log on to Amazon for a couple more days. And the funny thing is, when you get back on the Amazon and yeah, it still has that stuff in your stuff cart, in your cart, all of a sudden, yeah, you have a discount. Like it's trying mm. to get you to buy. It's only going to give you as much as it needs to get you to buy. It. And I think in these situations where we were sometimes getting a good deal. And it wasn't just right on the edge, like, well, hey, it barely convinced me. Like, no, hey, I really wanted it. This is worth the price. I'm buying it. 
we're going to run in those situations where it's just going to give us just enough to get us the bite, get enough to purchase. And we're just going to be upset. We're going to be a little upset. Like, you know, it's, uh, it's fine. It's what I, I, I do want it. I guess it's worth it, but this isn't a great deal. You never feel like you well, left with a good I deal. I feel like that now. Like, like I said earlier, like if you go buy a thing of lunch meat for $5, Oh, you could get two for eight. Okay. Uh, yeah, they're trying to tell you I'm saving $2. Well, not if I don't spend the other, the other three anyways with the yeah. villain's card, you know, I'm not saving $5 and I also don't need two pounds of smoked ham. Yeah. You know, the most so, expensive things, the thing you didn't need to begin yeah, with. Well, exactly. They're going to come, they're going to do what they can do to get you to buy it regardless of whether you, they don't care if you need it. They care if you spend the money on it. So if they can provide a metric, if they get a metric telling them, Hey, he's going to want this, then they're, they're going to push that. Yeah. Well, and just like you're saying, you know, the whole talk is around how much you save, you know, you know, they want to control where the conversation and where all your thoughts are consumed. If you're consumed with, hey, I'm saving a lot or this or that, like, hey, that's to their benefit. Same mm. thing if you go to like an amusement park and you got to get, you know, Wally World bucks or something mm. like, you know, that's to their benefit, you know, to be or Chuck E. Cheese tokens like it's that's to their benefit. You can't do anything but spend it with me. Yeah. And, yep. it, and they control the entire, you know, conversation and thought process around it because, you know, it, it's all in their token. It's all in their language. You know, you, they control the whole thing, and it's just going to way work way better for them. Well, if they, yeah, they've got something that you want—the pizza or the video games or the Dave and Buster's cards or whatever—and yeah, if they can, if they can kind of welch you into only using their money. Yeah, they've moved you a few degrees of separation. You're thinking, I can't convert this back to cash, so now it's a no longer in competition with everything you else else you wanted. I had met a guy who used to sell, uh, I think vacuums door to door. And the funniest thing was he always you know, he told me it was real important that he would take the other person's vacuum out of the house. And I'm like, that thing's worthless. What the hell do you want with that vacuum? He's like, yeah, it's worthless, but it's a danger, you know, because the other person sees it there and my, you know, they they don't have complete closure and everything, you know, people are emotional. You have to, there's a saying of, uh, what is it? A, fast nickel over a slow dime. And so they would rather close the deal, give you, you know, cut you a few, few bucks, you know, to save you some money, but close the deal, get it moving, get your old vacuum out of there just so they could, you know, close the deal and make it, keep it moving, go on to the next sale. Right. They don't want, they don't want to get the call and be like, never mind, I'm going to keep using my shark or whatever. Yeah. My, my old vacuum works just fine. You know, I'm sure if you're selling knives door to door or different things, you know, and insurance salesmen are always trying to flip all your life insurance policies, you know, onto the new ones because, they, they want you to flip them for one. There's yeah. more money involved in transaction, but they don't want you looking at the old stuff. You know, they want you thinking of what, what you're doing with you. What could I have new? Yeah. Or yeah. What, last thing what, you want is someone looking back at the past and maybe even making a good decision for themselves. Uh, yeah. Especially <laughs> if they regret something they did in the past and then they turn to you and they're like, I'm not going to buy this product because of a previous decision I made that screwed me. You know, you don't want them taking that opportunity. Yeah. <clears throat> I think kind of looking at some of this, uh, culmination of AI looking at all these different things that control about us, looking at some of the good things about it. You know, I know there's going to be a lot of government overreach, but you know, I not a big fan of drunk drivers, Fair you enough. know, tired, sleepy drivers, especially, uh, in my case, distracted drivers a few years back, almost, almost died. You know, someone, uh, took a Silverado and drove it right into my lane. I guess mm. they were about to run into somebody where they probably weren't paying attention, swerved not to hit the truck that had slowed down in front of them which they could have gone into the ditch, which would have been the wise thing to do. They chose the mine lane, hmm. oncoming traffic, and they had managed to get so close to the other vehicle, I don't think I really saw them coming, but don't really, 
And then it's just kind of what location of the vehicle. I don't remember anything from the incident, but yeah, they easily could have killed me. Um, but yeah, not a big fan of those guys either. So, I mean, you know, so in Japan, forcing, you know, the, let's say the bullet train operators, a lot of those guys are forced to wear a special little hat, you know, that helps them keep track if you're, you know, tired, you know, when you're falling asleep or nothing. And they're trying to push it for, there's, there's hats for truckers, you know, as well. From the brim of the hat, they can tell if you start drooping your head down, like, hey, this guy's getting tired or it has a camera focused on your eyes and if you're getting drowsy. Yeah, I think that's great. I just, I want to know who's in charge of some of this stuff. Yeah. You know, the government's going to be like, you know, uh, you know, they, they like to take things away. They don't exactly like to add things back in. Well, and if I don't, I wouldn't want, like, let's say we have a national organization of truckers, you know what I'm saying? And then they all get the cameras to make sure that they're not falling asleep. That's all fine and dandy. I don't. I don't know, it kind of could go either way. I don't necessarily wouldn't want the government controlling it, but at the same time, you could just as easily have a corrupt... Kind of like with China, you know, t you know, falsely saying people had COVID so they can't go protest and they can't right. get on the trains. Well, I mean, like, you could have a... Say the company that manages all those cameras and whether or not people are falling asleep is privately owned, but the guy's a douchebag, you know? Oh, yeah. You know, and now... He said something defiant yeah. about the government. It could be. It could be just as... Well, it could be just as, you could have just as overreaching of a hand with a private business owner that you do with oh, the government. Oh, absolutely. So it could go either way. The person or the company who's running the, the software or whatever for those cameras would still have to be a really trusted person. And even, whether it's government or not, I don't know. I still think I might have at least some trouble, trepidations. Yeah, well, I mean, like when it comes to different jobs, let's say the owner just doesn't like you but needs a reason to fire you. Maybe he's in one of those states where he can't just fire you without reason. Mm -hmm. The more metrics you know they have about us, the more ways they can say, hey, you did not fulfill your yep. job opportunity. If there's a million metrics out there, you could basically fire anyone for anything. You know, because, I mean, well, this is, he's the, you know, on this one metric, he's, you know, a little bit worse than most people. We can get rid of him now. Yep. You know, and yeah, that could absolutely be used against them. Looking at a more positive side of things, I think it'd be interesting with some of this technology where maybe it could help with education, particularly with AI, you know, with like ChatGBT, these things can be used as kind of like a little bit of a personal tutor. Mm. And so if we're going to be using some of this AI, these large language models to help teach people, because you can, it can ask you something anytime, you know, it wants, and it'll give you a special, you know, a personalized answer, you know, that best fits you. And I mean, with traditional education, You've got that teacher in there with 15 to like 35 kids. They're packed in there like sardines, mm -hmm. you know, because you have to have like a buku amount of administrators, you know, because, you know, it's your money doesn't get to follow you unless you're one of the few places of school choice. But anyway, you're going to have a whole bunch of administrators telling a few teachers how to handle 35 kids, and there's going to be loaded with people. So there's not going to be a lot of personal attention and just being able to answer questions immediately for all the kids. Yeah. Now, with this, well, I'll say that with this tech. Technology, traditionally speaking, you know, a lot of these teachers were going to have to wait until either a quiz, a test, or they just haven't asked that one student a question in class. With this, if a kid is confused and it can pick up on the micro expression, hey, he doesn't quite understand this. And if it's being partially taught by this, uh, you know, GBT, you know, chat bot type of tutor kind of, well, it could just immediately say, hey, um, whatever concept it was talking about, it can go ahead and give some further explanation in some different ways. Or even how to explain it to them. Yeah, yeah, explain it to them a couple different ways until the person doesn't look confused and they're struggling with it. Like, why wait and just completely bomb all this information, get nothing out of learning most of this stuff up until test time, and then do double duty trying to learn this stuff after the fact? 
it's really crazy what some of these large language model uh, chatbots can do now. It has context of what you're thinking and what I'm thinking. So it could tell us a story of all the information that's been, that it knows, the information that's been presented to you, and it can know the difference wherever there's a knowledge gap. Like, hey, some of this information hasn't been presented to you. It will go and present that information mm -hmm. to you so that way you can solve the problem as well. And it's just really interesting, you know, having context of what we're thinking while it's doing all these other things as well. So, I mean, it could literally be trying to interpret which parts of the concept we're not understanding and how it can better present that information to us. You know, this feedback loop doesn't have to be, you know, months or days out. It could be just instantaneously filling in every gap that we don't have. I mean, think how much quicker we could progress through with well, some of this stuff. That kind of makes me think of like just a flat out AI classroom. You know, like if you had, like, like what you said, the problem is you've got 500 kids in a school and seven teachers to teach them seven or eight different, you know, they get 45 minutes a day with, with 80 different kids. They're not going to be able to focus on any of them, but you could potentially have like a program, an AI program that could read the, like you said, the facial expressions of this kid, not understanding this, and then maybe present the problem in a way that the other, that the, an actual teacher may not have, because maybe that, maybe that actual teacher is somebody that learns by putting things together with their hands but the kid is somebody that learns by watching somebody else do it. Yeah. And that teacher might not ever, I mean, they probably were taught, Hey, there's different modes of learning and other kids are different than you and blah, blah, blah. So, so they might, it, yeah. right. They might, they might try to personalize it, but I feel like AI could watch that kid even, especially if it was a multi-year thing with the granularity that you and I, you know, if we were their teacher, like we couldn't give the same granularity of no. attention, 35 kids in an hour. But you every single one of them could have their own AI teacher yeah, you have specifically for them. Chatbots personalized. Yeah, I like that idea because you, you're right. I mean, you could absolutely, if someone has a learning disability, maybe they don't, don't read at the same grade level, it can immediately accommodate for that. Or maybe if they're a visual learner, it can go ahead and pull diagrams. Well, I know that some of the chatbots don't have that, but they're as fleshed out as they want yet. But a lot of the visual stuff is starting to get built out, and that will well, probably you, be here in the next few years. You could even spread it out over because it's ai and it's just on a computer you know there's no reason that that ai couldn't learn over from like one to 12 grade one to 12 or whatever you know wherever it may start and then by the time they're in high school maybe it knows oh this kid is not interested in kind of like well maybe to some degree like stem like hey this kid's good at math and science terrible at english and history maybe we should put math and science maybe we should tell the you know, the, the, what is it, the person at school that says, hey, you should go to college or you should maybe try doing this or whatever. You know, maybe the AI could give them insight even. Like, hey, we've been watching him for six years. Knows his particular knows interest his particular and how to get him excited. Right, exactly. Find his purpose. And I'll agree with you. Someone's finding their purpose for what they want to do in life. Like, yeah, that student's going to do great compared or, to some of the others. Or even finding a way to, to get a kid interested in something they weren't previously interested because they didn't like the teaching method. Of that's the, true of the however they were being taught before but they might learn a new way to do it and that just clicks in their mind and now they have you know now they've got a new hobby or whatever. yeah it could instantly change stuff out like if they're interested in cars and maybe not like how many watermelons someone bought at the supermarket right. it could be you know the math problems could be like hey how many of these you know if it uses up in this time or something it could literally just change the problem to whatever they're interested kid. in yeah. you know and that would be really cool or even be like hey this this kid built this bridge in physics class 
maybe maybe we should look into giving him advanced engineering, you know, maybe teaching him advanced math or maybe having the career counselor suggest oh, that's interesting. automotive or something like that because we know he's really mechanically inclined. So, yeah, it could actually keep a profile on the individual mm. and as opposed to just taking that one little test that the uh, counselor handed you on, like, right. hey, what do you want to do with your life? Right, because that was you, uh, you and I both know that was trash. That, that didn't yeah. have any impact on my life at all. Yeah, that one didn't help me uh, a whole lot anyway either. But, I mean, if you this whole profile with AI, I mean, that's the thing. It's always sorting out what's working, what's not mm. working. It, it's a refinement process, finding things closer and closer. So it, it'll be much better. You know, what level of socialization do you need in your job? How much, you know, how much can you work by yourself? How, you know, it could well, know exactly it, what you would want to do. And that first one's good, too. Like, it, it, what level of socialization? Yeah, you might, it might recognize, oh, you were in science class and you built, a, built that bridge with a group. Maybe you did all the work in that group and you don't need, maybe you're a leader type or maybe you need the group because you're a procrastinator and you need to have other people who are leader types telling you, holding you accountable, holding you accountable. exactly. And and those are things that I think would be better learned at, at 16 or 18. Be like, hey, turns out I know I'm actually kind of a lazy person and it's nice to have somebody hold me accountable because then I do do better in school. I get my stuff done. And learning those valuable lessons, it, it, that wouldn't be a bad thing to do earlier on, too. That would be interesting, you know, the whole the social dynamic part of it. How you're working, what size of group would you be best in? Can you be accountable to go work by yourself? Should that be required for right. job duties and different? That That is interesting. That would be pretty cool. I think another thing I think would be interesting when it comes to memorizing things, let, let's be honest, a lot of the stuff in school, a lot of it you won't need over the long term. So... Uh, speaking of that, for everyone listening, yeah, uh, if if it's one of those things you're never going to really use ever again, yeah, your, your best strategy is yeah, just to just study real hard right before the test, do well on the test, and then your mind's going to dump it. It's not going to get in the long term yep. memory. But let's say, but let's look at like the communities where people are trying to get better scores, trying to be a doctor so they can, you know, get into med school and different things like that. There's there are actual classes where you, what you are learning you will need to know later. It has to get in the long-term memory. It needs to stay in there because it's going to get built on on top of it for other different things down the line. Man. So, Yeah. So in these cases, I think it'd be kind of interesting because you see a lot of those guys using these different memory card systems for memorizing things. So it used to be like a note card. They would, you know, they'd look at it in five minutes and there's an optimum amount of time from when you look and try and memorize something when it should be reintroduced to you. If you reintroduce it too quick, well, you're wasting a lot of your time. You introduce it too still, late. Still right in the front of your mind. Yeah. So you still want it to be in your your long you know your long term memory. But if you let it drop out of your long term memory, then relearning it actually takes longer. So you don't want that. There's a real specified time with it. Let's say if you're remembering it every single time. There's a system to it where hey, this was easy for me to recall. This was sort of difficult for me to recall. I don't remember this at all. And so it, the algorithm actually adjusts for all that for the most optimal time to reintroduce it to you. Uh, generally speaking, let's say, uh, don't quote me on these, but if you remembered it and it was easy to remember each time, optimal might be, hey, I'm going to look at it now. Look at it maybe like in five minutes. Look at it a day later, three days later, seven days later, uh, you know, 16 days later or something like that. But you're not overdoing it. You know, a lot of what you usually run into is a lot of people study really hard right before mm. the test and then too they, much info crammed in. They can't too, remember anything. Yeah. They might do well on the test, but it's not going to make it back in the long term. And they really struggle when the final comes around later down the road or when this stuff comes up in a test on a 
later class, which is building on this previous class, well, you know, if if you're going to be like, say, an actual doctor or something like that, yeah, you have this knowledge you need to have. Yeah, you want to use a system like this. And the cool thing about it, as opposed to me pumping this into, say, like an Anki app, which does this, or one of those other different apps, you know, the AI could literally keep track of how well I'm able to recall some of this information and schedule it perfectly right. for learning it and putting it into long-term memory with the least amount of effort so I can actually learn more things and not that. waste a whole bunch of time relearning because it fell out of memory or waste too much time you know, overdoing it, you know, trying to look at the same card, you know, a hundred times in two days, that's not going to be as helpful as looking at it, you know, two times the first day, then, you know, then day three, seven, 16, right. what, whatever the uh, little golden well, little algorithmic ratio is on that. You can get your little pat. Well, you could, it could, you're right though. It could develop a pattern for you to follow so that you have better memorizational skills. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this uh, locked in, you know, model where, hey, the teacher presented it to us. Hey, we're doing a, an assignment on it a day later. Then we're doing a review session a little bit before the test. No, like it doesn't have to be this rigid schedule that when it's exposed to us, you know, it could literally be optimal, like absolutely optimal. If I have trouble learning something and I have trouble recalling something, it can make the schedule optimal for me. Where if I say you're hitting it every single time, it can speed you through and let right. you start progressing into next year's material. That w it would help both of our ACT or SAT scores down the line or whatever we're learning this stuff for. But well, I, I mean, it would help. It would help anybody, especially people that just have trouble or learning disabilities or anything. You know what I mean? It could specifically go. Oh, okay. Maybe we need to slow this part down. Doesn't have a problem with this part, but this part's a little convoluted for him. And it would probably also help to not leave kids behind. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I know they've got that no kid left behind thing, but last time I checked, you can still get left behind in a grade and all the other kids you were in school with get moved up, you know, because you didn't pay attention or didn't go to summer school or something. That's very true. So as opposed to just getting the standardized test of knowing what that kid learned, you know, from I think usually beginning of the year and end of the year or mid-year and then end of year, like the AI could literally say, hey, you know this, about this amount. This is about a proficiency. It, you know, it could give you some estimates right. on where you're probably at. Or basically fill in the like, holes hey, as you're This going. is what we've discovered you don't quite understand. So this is what we're going to push because the test coming up, you'd know 70% of it, but not this 30%. So that's it, what we're going to go over. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I, I Obviously, I'm pretty excited about this stuff. And I think we'll probably have to do a full podcast do a, a deep whole, dive a on this you know, on just ai and education altogether. Uh, i'm going to kind of go ahead and shift and look at some of the different downsides of this technology and and people are always talking about the more uh invasive ones where you know they got to put a cap on your cut open your skull but just looking at some of the i think a lot of this stuff can be predicted on where we're going at least some of it can be from what's already happened with what we have already because they already look at the different clicks that we have and what we do with that. And I think a lot of people might not remember when it came to like Facebook and YouTube, some of the different problems that we would have is that they, obviously they want to make money. So they create an algorithm that would find the material or the, uh, the videos, let's say, that someone is likely to click on the product ad and purchase that ad because that's a more valuable ad. They can sell that for more. You know, so the person, you know, the company selling that ad is a winner and it makes, you know, say YouTube more of a winner. One of the problems with this process was humans in a particular state are more likely to buy something, right? Maybe I should say mood. 
And so it would give, it would always push up these videos where people are more likely to buy stuff, but the type of video it was encouraging, the ones that would make you mad and just enraged, you know, like mm -hmm. when you're just flat out pissed off, you're more likely to purchase something. The problem with this is once you get on the YouTube or Facebook or whatever some of these platforms were, they're just trying to make money, but you're like, why am I so angry? It was fun. It was recommending things that would upset you. And they even, they had to bring this back and kind of uh, tone it down quite a bit because I mean, it was, it was just a, you felt miserable by the time you got off the platform. Well, they, they're pushing things that elicit a reaction out of you. Right. Like you said, yeah. they're, they're, they're trying to get you to get things that make you mad or irritate you. You know what I mean? And it, because they're getting a reaction out of you and they make more money when you have adverse reactions than they do good reactions. Like if you watch a video of a car crash, a viral car crash video, and have hundreds of thousands of views. And like the one about the guy giving McDonald's to the homeless guy might have $25,000 or 25,000 views. And it's people are just, you get, you tend to elicit reactions better with darker content yeah I guess. well the wholesome one that you're talking about like yeah it's definitely not going to give that one to me because no. i'm not clicking on the ad i'm not buying anything nope. and i understand that i would rather just pay a few bucks a year and get rid of the ads anyway but that's just me yeah i would too it, 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 i just it's easier like i don't i don't need to deal with any of the stuff they think i need because i don't need it they just want me to spend money yeah and see there's patents out there that i don't know if they've been uh, if they got approved but there were <clears> patents applied for out there where your phone would want to know and be able to use your camera to see if you're actually watching the ad on your phone. Mm. And if it didn't, you know, it could pause the ad basically. Oh, I don't think and so. And so, yeah. You know, and then there was other ones where like, if you're, it wanted to have access to the microphone on your phone. So if you're watching an ad on a cast, something to the TV, it has an ad on that program. You walk over and, you know, I mean, go get something out of the kitchen or something. It'll turn it up. Well, yeah, it's it's upset. It knows that, hey, you did not listen to this ad. So what it wants to do is it wants to roll another ad right behind mm, it. Fair enough. You know, because yeah. it, wants, it wants its money, you know. It, it, it's there to make money. And so people don't realize, you know, all these different, they want these technologies. And if, you know, everyone's carrying a microphone or a camera around with them, this is something we're not going to avoid. If we look at, say, you know, like the YouTube thing where, you know, inadvertently, you know, we're promoting a lot of rage inducing stuff. We've kind of almost made a rage, you know, inducing, you know, machine, hmm. you know, and this is just looking at what you're clicking on. Well, my goodness, can you think if we have AI looking at us, you know, trying to determine, listening to our voice, looking at our eyes, what are we looking at? Our eyes dilated, you know, what, what are the little micro expressions, you know, when something traumatic comes on the screen, if they can game us that well with just clicks, think of what they could do with all these other biometrics, you know? Oh, and, it, it could be bad. I mean, like you said, if they're using the camera to watch where your eyes are looking when you're watching the video, they might even be able to, they could get it down to go, oh, this is an ad and, or, or this is a video. And when this particular product popped up, your eyes dilated. So now we're going to yeah. give you that product. Now we're going to give you the Mountain Dews or whatever, because we know we just watched this guy. You just watched this guy in this video drink a Mountain Dew. And now we want you to want a Mountain Dew. So here's a Mountain Dew ad. And I, I find that and it, it's already happening. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe not to that degree. Like our phones aren't watching my eyeball. They do, but not, not for that purpose. But I mean, we already have the cameras and we already have the microphones, everything's set up for it to happen. I, I don't think there's any way around it. I think if AI progresses farther, especially in like what we've been talking about, educational systems, so on and so forth, it's going to be everywhere, and you, in, including our phones. and Yeah, we don't even know which way they're peeking at us. Let's say you do not give an app access to 
your geolocate your GPS. Mm. But on some of these, like say for instance, if you go past a billboard, there was patents worth. I think it might actually have rolled out even that the billboard will have a device on it that will put out a sound you can't hear, but your oh. mic will pick this up. Uh, so you know, and knowing that you know that particular sound, wherever pulse it's coming out at, it's going to know like, hey, you're within proximity of this particular billboard, and it's a, one of those electronic ones, and it can go ahead and tailor an ad, you know, for you. Right, and even then, it could probably go, oh, okay. You're probably 75 feet away from it because we know that because of the frequency it returned. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, how long it took for the sound to reach. To get to, yeah, and we could go, that means that you're on this corner. Oh, it could triangulate, it yeah. Could triangulate. Especially if there's more yeah. than one billboard. Yeah, yeah, you just need two of them. In a bigger city, they don't need cameras because of things like that. Maybe it could even predict your age to some effect. Mm. Like, I'm, you know, I'm still young enough. Like, a lot of the kids out there in the schools will put on, uh, it's a mosquito ringer. Yep. And popular a lot of the older kid. adults, they cannot hear that. The high pitched buzz. But I absolutely hate that. I can hear Because I can still hear it. You know, yeah. I'm one of these years I won't be able to hear it and I won't care, but I hate that thing. But, I mean, it could make an assumption. Like, you, you could try and obfuscate a lot of this information, but, you know, they could probably even figure out your age from, from that. You know, you had mentioned earlier, like, hey, they could see what you're looking at and you'd like a certain product or something. I'm almost more afraid of the other side of it for the privacy concerns. Let's say, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen LeBron James's feet, but he's got a pinky toe that looks like it's crawling up on mm. top of his foot. It's kind of, you know, some people say it's nightmare fuel. I but anyway, you're talking about yeah, when well, a girl let's squeezes if, her feet and the shoe's too small. Yeah, let's say if someone has uh, LeBron feet and they're watching something and then the AI is watching their face and then they see this ad, you know, for like, hey, you have terrible feet, get this surgery, whatever, you know, that for your embarrassing feet, your it sees your, your facial expressions. It's like... The AI is going to be like, hey, this person has this problem. I'm going to try and get, you know, because this is a big moneymaker. It's going to go ahead and show you more of those ads that are right. targeted to you. You know, I think if you're just hanging out with your friends and all of a sudden, like, hey, why are you, they're wondering why you're getting all these ads for, uh, you know, foot repair or something, you know, for, you know, weird looking feet. Because it's targeted because my phone was watching me. Yeah, yeah, because it, it knows you're watching. And that's the thing, too, is they don't want you to know how much you know. So whatever you think they know about you. They actually know, they know more, more than that because they're trying to hide that. Like here, here's an example for you. Like the, uh, when it comes to advertising, one of the, the golden things they go after, you know, a woman, when she just first got pregnant, her first pregnancy, because mm -hmm. this can change shopping behavior for decades. Dramatic. So if you can catch them then like this is a, you know, it is worth the money of knowing that. So target had an algorithm that they had figured out when, Maybe it was like 13, 14 different products when someone would buy just like four or five of these products. Like it was like an 80, something oh, like 80 or 90% chance that they're, they're pregnant. Here's all these other ads. Yeah. yeah. So there was an instance where this dad comes into Target and just starts yelling at the manager of the store. And this manager, he doesn't know any of this stuff. He didn't know what the heck is going on. But he's just getting chewed out. And it's just this angry, angry father. And the father was angry about the ads they were sending his his 17-year-old daughter because, you know, there are all these ads for baby stuff. Um, and so he was asking, what, were you, are you trying to encourage her to get pregnant? She's only 17 for crying out loud. And so he was just out of his gourd, you know, angry. And long story short, the father comes back, you know, a week or two later, and he apologizes to the manager. Like, well, there's a couple things I didn't know about my family, yada, yada, yada. Apparently the company does now turns out she is pregnant she was pregnant yeah yeah and i mean it's so unfortunate it's just creepy knowing that these companies know more about us than we know you know about or our own family members yeah. yeah than more than her 
you know, than her dad. And the funny thing was Target didn't, you know, as far as I know, I don't believe that they stopped tracking this. From what I heard is what they did was there's still going to be some baby stuff coming through on these personalized ads, but guess what? There's something that's going to obfuscate this information they know. They're going to put maybe put, say, a lawnmower or a weed eater. They're just going to skew it a little bit with some other yeah. crap. They're going to make it seem like, hey, this is random information, but... No, they know. Yeah. They know. They know. <laughs> They're going to hit you with that like 51% baby ads, 49% black and decker drills or something like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They're still going to they're still they're, they're still going to get their licks in when it comes to cuz they especially if they know they know, you bought these five items, they know you're pregnant or about to have a baby or just adopted a kid or something along those lines. Yeah, if they're a company that big, they only get that big by Good chance they got that big by making money, unless yep. they're a speculative tech stock. Yeah, you know if they're one of the companies that actually had to make money, like yeah, they're used to, you know, finding where the money is and getting that money. So yep. yeah, they're not going to quit now. I know uh, a lot of the things that we've talked about recently have been kind of hypothetical what they could do, but a new product just came out, the Apple Vision Pro. I think you've probably seen it. What's yeah. it? Well over three grand. Yeah, super expensive for the normal person. Yeah, apparently a, a dev has been quoted. And he said it in some ways it's basically you know mind reading. So if people aren't familiar with the product, it does a lot of eye, lot of eye tracking. It looks at the dilation of the eyes. So you don't actually click on anything with say a mouse, but you look at something and it will move to whatever tile you're looking at. And then through checking you know, the dilation of your eyes and just how focused you are on it, it can determine like, hey, you're trying to click on that thing. So it's kind of interesting. You don't even need to use your hand. So obviously a lot of eye tracking, different things like that. But I mean, the guy was quoted as they were looking at lots of different things. Obviously, the eye tracking, you know, they said something about electrical activity in the brain, but I don't know how they're pulling that one off. Heartbeats, which you can, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of the watches we wear can look at, you know, our veins going up and down, you know, muscle activity, blood density in the brain. Again, don't know how that one's working. Blood pressure and skin conductance. You know, I wasn't aware anything in that thing has any kind of metal electrode touching the skin right. unless they're why, pulling something weird why would i need to know the conductivity of your skin anyways for what for what possible reason could you need to know that yeah it kind of just seems like they're hiring the same people the cia has been hiring the last yeah. 50 years yeah <laughs> yeah they're on some weird stuff they figured out some way to do it that we don't know about yeah i'm guessing a lot of this has to just work uh, across just telling when the pupils are becoming a little more dilated when they see something it wants to you know, you'd want to click on it. That's my best guess on how this thing's working. Well, that's what I would guess too. But, and, and it is kind of like the dude said, it's, would you say invasion of privacy or because they're watching what you're basically what you're looking at. Like I could see why not having controls or joysticks or buttons or whatever, you might have to use eye tracking, but, and why that could be useful. But at the same time, he's not wrong. Like the invasion of privacy. How do you know somebody doesn't get a hold of this thing and mod it or something? Now they can just look out their window and zoom in on somebody's window or something like that at their leisure. I'm just saying like, yeah, crazier things I, have happened. I think, you know, to add on to what you're saying, just the granularity is that the current level of most of the things that they've been tracking us behavior wise is like, what have I clicked on? What haven't, what haven't I clicked on? And there's been you know some level of privacy with that. If I don't click on something, then they don't know. It, I yeah. I'm not, you know, tripping off the algorithm. I want to go buy golf clubs or something, you know, but now they know if you even glanced at it, yeah. If you even was like, hey, oh, it's red. I just caught my attention because it was red or something. You know, now they know that you even looked in that general direction. Yeah, you look a little bit more at one thing than another, and it knows. You're you know, get, and you're going to get ads for that thing now. I mean, there's so much of this. Like we said, you just have no control of it 
on a very small level. You know, I know in the medical field, you know, it's strange to think about it. There's people who fake being in a coma, mm. and one of the tests that they'll do involves taking a light across their vision, just like when the doctor flashes a light in front of you when you go to the doctor's office. I guess there's a test sort of similar to that where they take a, a light from the left side of your eye to the right side of your eye. And even if you're trying not to track it, you know, that tracking reflex will kick in. But if you're actually unconscious, it won't kick in. But if you are conscious, you can't, you can say, hey, I'm not going to allow my eye to follow that, but your eye's going to flicker. There's nothing you can do about that. And that's how they figure out who are the fakes and who are not. I mean, it's an actual medical procedure. (laughs) Well, fair enough. I mean, how else are you going to figure out if somebody's lying about that? Check an involuntary response. Yeah. Yeah, some of this stuff, especially with, you know, Apple or whoever else does a lot of this stuff, I'm wondering how deep they're going to take some of this stuff. Well, and it, it, like, it could be detrimental to you too. Like, for all, for all they know, or maybe they do know, they, probably, they might know. Say you've got a bad problem with being like an impulsive buyer or something, collector of Pokemon cards, not much money, but love the Pokemon cards. And then now they're, they know that. And now they're sending you ads for Pokemon cards and you're doing nothing but wasting your money. You, you know what I mean? Like you could end up going down a rabbit hole like a gambling addict because they're purposely sending you ads for things that they know you can't resist. Yeah, and that algorithm is just going to be learning more information. It's going to know uh, the entire time. Your, your weak points, you know? Like if someone's anything close to an addict on anything, you know, yep. say they know at the end of your workday, you're tired, you're hungry, you're uh, all these other different things. You know, if it, maybe it could, if it knows when you're most likely to buy something, if that's when you're agitated or upset, like with some of the algorithms, you know, they've seen on Facebook and YouTube. Well, you know, for one, it's going to take advantage of you when you're tired and upset. And two, it may try and encourage it. I know. Exactly. Yeah. It it could be like, Oh, he he buys these after work all the time. And well, maybe people are upset. Maybe this dude's upset when he gets off work or something. And then start putting in other things that they know, Oh, this is an impulse buy. And he impulse buys these every day. So yeah, you know, now just slap some more of these on there. You know, now you're spending six bucks instead of three bucks every day. Who knows? Well, it might just give you the full court press, knowing that yeah. hey, you're getting uh, your paycheck on Fridays. <laughs> it could swamp you with expensive products on the days you get paid, the two days after you get paid, or something like that, trying to get you to spend more money. We're all wondering why these great deals we can't resist happen mm. right before you pay our mortgage, right? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> why does this happen every? Once a week, it seems like, why do I get these deals once a week? Like they're, like they're new. And I believe it was, uh, YouTube and Facebook and some other companies like them, you know, the algorithms that they have, they're there to make the company money and they make money by selling products for other Mm. people through advertisement. So it's not that you looked at the ad, it's that you actually clicked and purchased something. So the algorithm is trained to look like, Hey, how likely is this person to purchase when I put the ad on say this video or that video? And unfortunately, everyone's state of buying stuff, you know, has, it's pretty close to exhaustion. It's more like rage when we're just Mm -hmm. rage induced, we're upset. You know, I can't, can't believe these other people, whatever it might be, you're angry at some other group. That's when you're likely to buy something. Unfortunately, the algorithm is saying, Hey, they're more likely to buy stuff on these videos. They just keep pushing these videos up, even though these are rage inducing videos. Yeah. And that's, oh, go ahead. Oh, good. No, that's kind of, that's kind of to some degree social control you know what i mean like if they're purposely pumping the videos to piss you off not only not only to get you to impulse buy things perhaps but also because they know that that video is going to 
entice a certain type of reaction and who knows that might start a riot and then you've got just say all that goes down on a presidential election year it's going to get tied into fox is going to get a hold of that or so on and so forth like it could be a they, they could easily use that to other effect yeah for my own uh anecdotal experience i mean that's one of the reasons i stayed off facebook it was so just polarized yeah. and just rage inducing there for a while that yeah I admit, like, that's the reason I stayed off it, because it wasn't going to make me a better person. I was mm. just an angry, angry person. <laughs> I, mine's, I, I watch it for tech videos. That's yeah. It. I, I like seeing what, you know, people I know, what their families are doing. I, you know, I don't like the polarized stuff quite so much. And a lot of it doesn't even get down to any good tech news anyway. A lot of it is just like, you should be angry because of this person. You know, they just find yeah. whatever most outrageous behavior one person in the world is doing. And, hey, this will get me stirred up, and it'll get, it'll get him to buy stuff. And they're not even trying to do it on purpose. It's just, that's what the algorithm found. Hey, pe angry people, buy more stuff. You know, and it, since we're talking about it, it seems kind of odd because it's what we're talking about. But I've noticed, at least myself, I don't watch the news. I don't keep track of any other stuff going on. And like, I, I hear about world events here and there. You know what I'm saying? But I don't, I'm not watching what Putin's saying and so on and so forth. And my Facebook doesn't really have very much of that kind of stuff on it like very rarely do i get even on even on um like presidential election years or the year before when people are starting to ramp up you know uh, i i really don't get that much of it so i don't know if the algorithms just decided that i don't want to watch it or i don't know because i because you're not wrong like that especially that's the kind of stuff that's gonna get brought up time and time again political stuff well i guess that's what i'm getting at is like climate change, who's going to be the next president, things like that show up on everybody's feed. And I don't really get too much of that stuff. Yeah, it seems like I I don't get much of that, especially now. I wonder if it kind of seems like a lot of that kind of died down a little bit. Well, definitely with COVID dying down, that a lot of that kind of rage-inducing stuff is gone now because they don't have that to bark about. You know, mainstream, it's not mainstream anymore. Yeah, that's one of the big questions too. Like, you know, I put this up on YouTube later, is the, you know, that word, you know, that virus, is that going to go ahead and, you know, hurt us for monetization. Right. Oh, oh yeah. My bad. I didn't. Oh no, no, you're good. I'm just, I'm just kind of wondering <laughs> if we're, yeah, I'm wondering if we're at that state where we can say that. Cause there's a lot of things you can't, oh, it's and been can't long say. enough now, you know? Yeah. It, it's been a while. Hopefully they've been pretty cool with some of that stuff. Yeah. You know, and speaking of them kind of controlling the message to a large part, cause a lot of things that, you know, we couldn't say back in the day, apparently different, you know, NSA groups have said, oh, yeah, yeah, that was true all along. I don't know why you couldn't say that. Mm. But along that, you know, we got to talk about propaganda. Let's say if our forefathers were deciding, hey, we're breaking from Britain. But if Britain knew exactly who was defiant, I don't know if, uh, well, definitely, I don't think we would have had a revolution like we did. Uh, they would have just stopped the one or two guys and been like, call it good. Well, if they knew a group of the most defiant, it's easy for them just go snatch them up out of the town, mm. every town. Well, what? That, that, that's a military tactic. Take out the leader, everybody else falls apart. Nobody cares anymore or has the ability to do anything if the leadership isn't there. So, I mean, it makes sense. You get rid of the people starting the problem, the problem might just go away. It, I guess it could be a big deal here, but one of them I'm really worried about is the re-education there in China because you have these kiosks that they actually look at the biometrics and read the person to a certain effect. And they're saying they can, they can actually give a loyalty score mm. on these individuals, which is just, boy, that just sounds like a black mirror episode to yeah. me right now. Yeah. I don't even like the, 
I don't even like the word re-education because it just implies that now I'm me or whoever it is 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 stuck doing something they don't want, forced to learn or do something they don't want to learn. Or well, do. it's obviously pretty demeaning. They're like, yeah. "Hey, you are wrong. You don't understand this. Yeah. And this is how it needs to be." You're clearly an idiot. Let me yeah. show you the ways of your error. Like, yeah, and that stuff is just scary to me. You know, every time you're being spoon-fed information, I mean, here in the West, it's kind of an ideal to be a free thinker and get all the information yourself. And then, you know, very often, you know, with scientific method, we're all arriving at the same thing anyway. But that kind of kills the scientific method in a way like, hey, you know, you just kind of have to follow along. Think if all the different teachers, you know, could have a, an AI that told you, hey, this person isn't taking to the uh, you know, education like they're supposed to. And they have different thoughts. I mean, we're just going to be one big hive mind. Well, and, and it kind of detracts from somebody's ability to, to choose their own, th like, say, you know, the teacher says, oh, you're clearly not good at math. Let's not go down that route. Well, maybe you want to, maybe, maybe that's what you need as a person, like for personal development. Maybe you need to do something that you're not good at so that you can understand having gumption or putting yourself through something that maybe you don't like for a better outcome in the end. And you don't get the opportunity to learn that valuable life lesson because they just took you out of that class. Yeah, a chance and, to you know, explore what you want to do. You never know. Like, just because you don't like it now doesn't mean you won't like it later. Or learn something, something could branch off of that that you do like. Yeah, because if that machine could tell what you seem to be best at and it just kind of forces, you know, it crushes any kind of inspiration for anything mm. else you might have, man, that would be soul crushing. Yeah. I know most of the people I know, very few of them do the thing that they're very best at. It's usually a mix of something they're pretty good at and something that they're really excited that about. That they like, yeah. And they actually perform better at something suboptimal you know ideally you know you know whatever their intelligence is best for but they have because that they passion enjoy it. behind it yeah because it, it, it's like what do they say if you if you love what you do you won't work a day in your life that's right yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not work if you have fun if you enjoy it i mean fair enough that makes sense i'll admit this is uh you know i enjoy doing this podcast quite a bit more than running a crane for 12 hours and breaking my back holding fair those enough. controls pushing on that dead man switch all day yeah fair enough <laughs> I've I've done enough physical labor jobs to know that this is a lot better of a day sitting around for a few hours talking than, you know, slinging concrete on the side of a grain elevator or running a sandblaster. Yeah, and that is kind of the great thing with this uh, technology economy. You know, even though we've done manual labor jobs, you know, we're able to make our manual labor job eventually our, our side gig. Right. Our main yeah, job becomes our side gig. That's the hope, right? Yeah. yeah. For a lot of people, actually, especially, I would say, the mid-range and blue-collar people. Yeah. It, obviously. Because you can go and start a small business or something and get rid of your manual labor job and stop breaking. Yeah. And speaking of working for a big, soul-crushing corporation, work surveillance has become a bigger thing. There's actually companies now that make money by keeping track of the emotional state and the mood of the employees. Mm. For instance, there's a company in China that claims to have saved 315 million. Yeah, they do that by having them wear a special hat that keeps track of their, their mood. Now, I believe it's mostly by, you know, probably some kind of recording, you know, and maybe some geolocation information. So it could, by the tone of your voice, are you, you know, are you nervous? Are you frustrated? Are you too tired? Are you falling asleep? You know, 
probably looking at different things like that. Maybe it has some geolocation information. I know corporations in the past would have information that keep track of where you're at and for how long, how long you're in the bathroom. You and I are talking right now. If we had these special hats on, I would probably guess that it's keeping track of, hey, these people are close proximity. Were they talking for too long? And the mics were activated at that time. So it's going to say, yeah, um, if they're not meeting their quotas, let's uh, maybe we have the manager go over and talk to them and say, hey, are you guys talking too much? Yeah. And they'll know too. They'll be like, I have the data right here that says you spend 15 minutes face-to-face when you should have been over here doing this or something like that. Yeah, because I know Amazon's run into some serious mm, issues with hitting one, quotas. There's been a lot of uh, situations where your break starts from the last thing that you scan, because that's what you're paid to do is scan and move that stuff. And then so these people would need to go down several flights of stairs, go through security, hit the restroom, go to the break room, and then go back through security, back up the stairs and get to their station and scan something, you know, in, you know, in like 15 minutes right, where how much time do you actually sit in the break room? You now? don't get a break because you're walking the entire time. Yeah, I've, 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 de- I've ran into like, or I've ran into videos, I think actually on Facebook about things like that. People are getting mad. They're like, this is crap. I, I don't get time to do anything. I got to walk half a mile, quarter mile to go to the bathroom on my break. No, oh, it's insane. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm talking about probably the same stories. I think I might've got a lot of mine from stories on Reddit, which, okay, you know, right. if true, boy, it, it, it sounds like there's a lot of bottles up there with, you know, human fluid in them because they don't have time to hit the restroom. Yeah. And there's even been a letter, I believe, that got out to where, I guess a lot of the different bags for the delivery drivers have a, one of those little scannable codes on it. And each one of those can be tracked back to a particular driver. So the bags that you have are different than the bags someone else would have. Right. So they know who, who had those. But I guess those drivers don't have a whole lot of time built in to go use the restroom if any time. So there, I guess there was an emergency that someone you know, had to go number two in one of those bags and mm-hmm. the letter went out to say, hey, obviously don't do that. And if that does happen, you know, don't bring it back to the fulfillment center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't bring it back. But it just goes to show you know, how far we're pushing a lot of these people that there's not a lot of dignity for an individual who mm-hmm. doesn't have time to go to the bathroom. No. I mean, I just, I can't, I don't think we're treating those people right if they can't do that, go to the bathroom when they need to. That's definitely one of the jobs that gets like run into the ground is delivery drivers. You know, I, I could definitely get that, especially now since Amazon took off, you know, years ago now. But <clears throat> ever since then, it's been a thing where people are like, they're getting, the Amazon delivery drivers are just getting pushed and the people in the warehouse are just getting pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. Because I've seen videos of people, or groups of people being like, ah, I'm out, I quit, I'm not doing this. Because you want me to work what would be a 30-hour shift and essentially 16 hours worth of actual work. You know, you want me to get that much work done, what would take me actually 30 hours, and you want it in 12 hours, it's just not going to happen, and they seem to be demanding it. Yeah, and I think that's just crazy, because I've heard in some of the warehouses, they'll have something on a screen, it'll tell you what the top producer in the whole mm. factory is. And I don't think any of us are as good as we were when we were 18 when it came yeah, to just physical Yeah, it's going to be a young kid. Yeah, it's going to be some young kid. And from what a lot of these people on Reddit, if true, what they're saying is they'd go out to their cars after their shift. A lot of them would sleep an hour or two hours or more in their car before they drive home because they were so exhausted. They couldn't drive they, home. They couldn't safely make it home. Yep. My goodness. And I, I know, I've also heard that some of these factories, they won't just put them anywhere. Let's say they need 50,000 employees. They won't go somewhere where there's, say, 100 or 200,000 available workers in the area. They'll only go somewhere where they could change it out maybe nine times at least, you know, mm. so, you know, they need to be you know, closer to a half a 
million workers in that area. So that's why you don't see these small, small towns getting them sometimes. And even with that rotating through all the available work and a lot of these people who are unwilling to go back and work for Amazon, sounds like they might be getting in trouble here in the next couple of years. Well, they're going to run out of people to hire. Yeah. Yeah. And the rest of the people aren't going to want to work for them because they know how they're going to be treated. Yeah. And kind of going back to that, that Chinese company is making their employees wear the hats. The employees were obviously paranoid, like, hey, are they reading my mind? Which, no, they're not reading your mind. I mean, they are keeping track of your mood and you know, how you're feeling and different things like that. A, they were mentioning a lot of the benefits where they could tell if someone was getting really angry. So if someone got to an enraged state or, a, you know, heaven forbid, a suicidal state, mm. you know, at least they won't need the, the nets like uh, you know, Foxconn needed there for a little while. You could avoid employees doing something really crazy, or if they're just completely exhausted and you can tell, they could give them another break was kind of the things that mm. they were saying. But they're, the sto- but they're not going to do that. Yeah. And a lot of this stuff is highly influenced by Chinese media and the stuff I'm reading, which sounds great, but it didn't actually say you couldn't take away a break. So it makes me wonder, are we just going to, are they taking away breaks? Are they pushing people to the point kind of like Amazon is where just people are really exhausted? Or maybe they're pushing people to complete exhaustion. If you're not almost all the way there, you might not get a break. It's China. So I would have to say, yeah, all of the above. Like They're going to do whatever they want to do to get that to you to get that product out quota or whatever it may be. Everything's kind of all wrapped up into one bundle there. And if they tell you to do something, you're going to make sure that gets done. So yeah, I'd say uh, they're not exactly known for coddling the workers. Exactly. They don't give a shit. They want what they want done. Yeah. And you know, with their uh, demographic turning upside down with a lot more older workers, it'd be be interesting in 20, 30 years from now. Yeah, it sure will when they don't have anybody to do those jobs anymore. Yeah. And I guess there's even companies that will look at a lot of this information during an interview, you know, from vocal tone to body posture, all these different things. I mean, we all been to interviews and they want to do a personality test and this, and they have all these questions where there's no right or wrong answer, but one of them's going to get you hired and mm. one of them, you know, I would just walk away not. from those interviews. I'm out. Well, it just, there's so many situations where people are actually recording how much time are going into these interviews too. That it just, it's just insane. People can spend, you know, almost a month's worth of work getting hired, you know, going through a couple different companies. Give me, several hours just to interview at one company and that's several hours for you know 40 people sometimes yeah i mean they're wasting you know a lot of time just trying to whittle it down to you know one worker yeah and and the other thing is like you know who are they going to hire who are they going to fire i mean if you have this thing always on top of you you have worked at a place where they've had a union before and you know Management gets a little nervous. They see two particular people standing beside each other talking because they mm. know those guys are pro-union. <laughs> right. They could do something about it. Yeah. Well, this thing, look for a personality trait that just happens to be very anti-union. Right. I mean, and, and then don't and then get rid of all those people or don't hire people like that. If you if you have come into the interview, yeah, they could just screen you. Like, we don't want, we don't want somebody who's going to potentially unionize. So we're just not going to hire you. I could see it happening. Oh, yeah. At some they, point. And they don't have to tell you about it, too. That's no different than somebody yelling at their boss at work and their boss not liking it. So they get fired for being a bad worker, but it's really because they're, they yelled at their boss. I mean, they can get away with it, something like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it might have been, at least 
as far as I know, it was Obama that kind of made it more popular for a lot of feedback mechanisms when it comes to getting donations. So they would basically send out a whole bunch of different emails with different, slightly different messages. And depending on which ones got back more money, they would change more of the messages to those. And it's, it's an exploration algorithm too. So it would try some new different things, but the bulk of it would keep whittling down to what was getting him the most money. And right. you know, obviously, you know, he got a good amount of money. He got to become president. My concern with all this is that's only a certain level of granularity that they're looking at. I mean, with this new AI, it could look at different things and give scores for from video ads of how they're presenting a message to this or that and all these different things, what you know really strikes with a person. So it's kind of like with, you know, what was it, uh, Kennedy and Nixon? You know, it might not have been the content, but how the person looks was very big on those debates who actually saw the visual of the debate, you know, who they felt won the debate as opposed to the content of it. Are we going to further the, the divide of, you know, how important the content is as opposed to how you look? Are we just going to be, you know, this facade, you know, of, you know, how it looks as opposed to what we're actually getting? Well, I, to some degree, it's kind of slowly going down that slope as it is because there's a separation of what people are saying and then what they're actually doing or what they can do later. You know, you always get a president who's like, oh, I'm going to do this when I get in the White House. And then they're in the White House for 48 years and that damn thing never gets done. You know, they've either got too much to worry about or it wasn't really what they cared about in the first place, but it got your vote. And that, you know, it to some degree, we're already sliding down that slope where there's, there's going to be a huge separation, even bigger than it already is now, especially when you can use data from somebody's phone to shoot an ad to that person designed to get them to vote for you or whatever it may Because even if you don't fulfill on those promises, you know how long and what timing you need to present that message to that individual to get them to mm. vote for you. Mm. You don't have to fulfill it as long as you can get the, to get the vote. Yeah, plus you have the AI that's, you can engineer them, you know, to get the next vote next time and just change up the message a little bit or even with a different candidate. Be like, oh, you know, he could even blame the previous one. Be like, hey, I'm different. And they could get that vote. I mean, there's a lot of short-term thinkers out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, people that either don't or just don't have the ability to or just never do worry about things in the long term. And they're like, you're, you're gonna, they're thinking about who's going to be president for the next four years, but not what those effects might have for 20 years or more, or more after that. Yeah. <clears throat> and knowing these politicians, sometimes they're not always worried about rights or the people themselves so much. They're the ones that aren't reining in, you know, FBI, CIA, or any of this different, those different things. Just think about with face mapping detection slash detection. You know what I mean? Like if they're going to watch a candidate's face, it could go either way, I guess. You know, they could tell perhaps if somebody's lying, flat out lying, saying, I'm going to take care of this if I'm president. And then the AI is going, and eh, no, that's bullcrap. He has no intent. You know what I mean? He has no intention based on his facial expression. He's not even worried about that. He's worried about the other topics that were mentioned, and he's glossing over because they're not as glamorous. He whatever. knows he can't get it done. He's just yep. talking to get those votes. He's talking and, to get the votes, yeah. And so that's, that, that's a good thing, but go well, That's kind of like with the investing world. People will say, like, well, why would he say this or would he say that? And there's this kind of expression. He's talking his book. Like, he's talking what's good for what he's invested in. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's you know, what people kind of know what's going on for the most part. So there is a GitHub project out there. You and I both could go download and it's going to listen to, you know, auditory information, you know, probably a CEO talking during a earnings call or say some 
interview it's doing on TV. And it can determine confidence and other different things like, hey, how this person is speaking now versus this other time versus their baseline that we've determined already. How good is that product stacked? How good are these new technologies that they're claiming coming back out? If it can figure a lot of that out and give them a big advantage, you know, small time investor isn't going to go download a lot of this stuff, but I guarantee if it works, boy, those big hedge firms are going to have one more one up on the rest of oh, us. Yeah. Well, and I guess some of the tech savvier people like you, like if you had a small business or something, you might be the type of person who'd be like, let me look into this, you know, but probably grandma down the road with her thrift shop isn't going to yeah. know about it. Well, let's say you're part of a big corporation. You have some insider information and I'm an investor and I want to know. You obviously can't give me insider information. Right. That's illegal. But if I'm asking you questions and you say, hey, I can't tell you about this or that, but while dodging all these questions, your body language, facial expressions, all these different things. When I mention one product versus another product, you know, once it's had as a baseline on you, you know, and from your vocal tone, all these different things, it might be able to say, Hey, uh, this, pro this project is legit or this project is a dud. And it could, you could literally get some insider information, even though the person is completely involuntary, you know, and they're defiant to you. They don't want to give you that information. They could maybe still pull it out of somebody. Well, think about it. If you had, if you had that technology to tell what somebody's facial expressions actually meant, whether they were telling the truth or not type stuff, uh, even in a business meeting, who's to say you don't have a, like a microphone or a, a headphone in your ear attached to an AI reading that dude's face and he, you're trying to do a business deal and the AI's going in your ear. No, that was a lie. That's not going to happen. You know, his bank account's not as big as that because he's just watching his facial expression and go, the computer's figuring out, no, he's lying about that. Or the chances are he's lying about that. I mean, even something like that, you could get a huge advantage over somebody in even a business deal with that kind of technology. Yeah, a huge leg up. Huge. Like if I'm coming in for an interview and I want to get a good amount of pay every once in a while, or, it doesn't happen mm -hmm. very often, but sometimes they offer you more money than you expect. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're the interviewer and you're just throwing out some numbers and the AI is watching my face, well... It's going to figure out what my number is. And if it's lower than what you're going to offer anyway, there's not going to be any more good surprises. Mm. It's going to know like, hey, uh, we just saved quite a bit of money. We snagged this guy on the cheap. Right. Oh, yeah. He wanted to be, hey, he's worth he's worth 35, but he only really wants 1950 or something like that. We can snag him for way cheaper. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. I can get that. You could, that could be used to screw over people who maybe don't have the self-confidence to say, no, I know I'm worth this. I know I'm good at my job or what have you. Or he, or even in, I was going to say, or even in a poker game, if you put a computer on a pair of glasses and nobody else could see you cheating with them, blah, blah, blah. Like people used to cheat in poker all the time. They still do counting cards and whatnot. But if you could figure out just wear a glasses with a little camera, read everybody's facial expression. Now, you know, whether they're bluffing, call the bluff, make the extra money fold or whatever. You'd know what you'd need to do. You wouldn't even need the x-ray specs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how everything's kind of been going anyway. I mean, in the world of chess. Yeah, AI beats human. Mm -hmm. Only way a human can, only thing that can beat AI anyway is, well, I guess they call them cyborgs, when a human is giving some direction to the AI. And that can be slightly better. Eventually, you know, the AI gets so good that the human yeah. participant is actually a hindrance. But, right. but yeah, I mean, that is true. It's just, you know, pairing the two together until it's slowly, you know, everything that we were better at is slowly. <laughs> it's now better than us. We've taught it enough that it's learned how to be better than we could ever be. Which it is a good thing and a bad thing. Yeah. I guess I find it 
concerning when I think about a lot of these different companies that they've hired the same attention engineers from Vegas, where if you go at a casino, it's like an assault all the way around you to just put you in this timeless state where you just need to keep spending money. People don't realize like, hey, obviously they're giving you alcohol, which is going to help you spend more. It's a nice, comfortable environment. They don't have any clocks on the walls. Yep. You can't no see. windows. Yeah, no windows. I mean, they don't want you to see that the sun has gone down because mm-hmm. you might be like, oh man, I've been in here for way too long. I need to get out of here. No, they want you in there longer. As and, long as possible, hooked on the machine or the card table, yeah. Yeah, and they want that labyrinth effect of you not be able to get out of there very easy because if you look at it, there's a lot of curving paths, but you don't see 90-degree yeah, paths. there's no straight lines. Yeah, no straight lines, no 90-degree turns because that's how you kind of get your bearing. You're like, okay, I can kind of figure east, west, whatever. But or you'll they, stop in a corner and be like, oh, the, this pathway diverges this way or whatever, but if it's curved, you just follow it along. Yeah, and I, I guess one of the things that, really irks me is just how much they're i understand their slot machines are games but how much they're gaming us and a lot of this stuff because you'll see all the different things line up and it look like you're about to win you'll have several of them and then one of the symbols you need won't pop up mm-hmm. and that should randomly happen from time to ho- from time to time but what they're doing is they're making it happen more often than what is random and it gives you that perception like hey i almost won and it cooks you and it keeps you there longer i just the disingenuous part of it is what bothers me yeah that's that's kind of slimy you know because you're purposely giving me a visual and auditory cues that i'm close to winning multiple times even though i wasn't you're making it appear that way so that i'll keep playing the game that's pretty slimy yeah yeah and i'm i'm from the generation that was outside as a child and doing things in the real world you know i really did like technology and i guess so much of it now is not real and just i guess i find it strange that younger generation is very fine with how much of it is not real you know and for instance the old crane games used to have a metal chain so it was complete analog where if you wanted to grab a prize if you were good enough you know you could grab a bunch of prizes Mm. you could clean them out nowadays everything's so disingenuous that a lot of these claw machines are engineered to where like you've, everyone has seen it where it comes down and the claws close. Don't grab until it, after it lifts. Well, it, it doesn't, yeah, either it doesn't grab hard enough to grab anything, mm. so that's programmed into the machine, yep. or it gets where it's about to go somewhere. Oh, it just let loose a little bit. Or there's a, I, or it's got to be, you know, when it moves, it, it, it maybe moves faster than it really needs to so it can get that swing and try to maybe drop that thing. Yeah. You know? And I, I guess I just miss the fact that I don't want this artificially tailored experience where on this claw game only one out of six times do i have any chance whatsoever Mm. because it's programmed not to grab it then all of a sudden it grabs really hard on the sixth time you know i guess if you want to trick yourself into thinking it's genuine i guess you could but it's just it takes me out of the experience i i don't like it at all yeah you're not feeling you want anything you're feeling you tried enough times that it finally gave it to you and that's not fun yeah i just i hate the the gaming of that I can't remember where I read it. It might have been on Reddit, but I mean, if true, it sounded like the Candy Crush game had something very similar experiences. They want you on the game as long as possible, so you buy more stuff. And when you get stuck and frustrated, you're more likely to buy stuff. From what it sounded like was the game would let you progress and say, if you're really good with puzzles, you're going through it too quick, it's going to go ahead and give you an impossible puzzle. Mm. 
you'll get stuck and it will keep giving you impossible puzzles for a couple hours unless you purchase something to give you a boost and get you through. And then it'll all of a sudden you'll be able to progress again until it says, you know, you've had enough. I'm going to give you some more impossible puzzles. We want some more you money. have to purchase more. And it's not a real experience. And it just drives me insane. I see the same thing in video games. It's the reason I don't play a lot of uh, single player campaign games anymore. I'll play some multiplayer. There's still some realness in there. But same thing with a lot of these different games. They don't want one player demolishing everybody else. So a lot of these first person shooters, sometimes there's patents out there that say, hey, the algorithm is going to try and push everyone back to you know one kill per death. So everyone mm-hmm. has a little bit of fun. So it'll increase the health of people who aren't doing as well. It will go ahead and increase the aim of them and decrease the aim of the better players. And give them a little more like damage to low level people. Yeah, to compensate for attachments on other people's yeah, guns. And yeah, stuff. I want it to be fun for everyone, but right. it doesn't. It doesn't feel real, and it, you know, things are acting so sporadically that you just feel like you just want to turn the game off. Yeah, because there's no there's no consistency. Of like, if I'm consistently good at this game, I should be consistently good at this game. And for some reason, like you know, one every every four, or one every six games, shit just doesn't go the way that it should and not because of skill but because of stupid things that happen in the game there's no way i shot 35 bullets at this guy got nothing seven hit markers and nothing happened yeah yeah and i think people you know a lot of these things they want to get better at a skill and progress and unfortunately you know it's like if you're shooting a a basketball at a basketball hoop and you put in time every single day working on it it feels good to get Mm. better at it to get better but if the rim is shrinking or getting wider or tilting or all of a sudden you got a carny rim that's like for no real reason yeah all of a sudden there's no spring in that rim it's really hard or the backboard you know is reinforced with steel you know a lot more steel behind it you know it's like feels like a carny rim Mm. well that that's no fun because you you lose that control over it and it, the progression is just lost, and maybe that's why a lot of people feel so kind of helpless with their lives right now. They're losing a lot of the control because they're just being gamed by these artificial experiences. You know, well, you're probably right. It, to some degree, it is that. And it, even in gaming, it's kind of backwards for me. You said you don't play a lot of single-player games. You'll play multiplayer games. I like Dark Souls because it's intentionally hard, and I'm not a patient person, and it make, it forces me sometimes to get mad and take a step back and come back in two days. And then, and then I finally get that little dopamine hit, I guess, of finally, now I finally beat the boss that I was having trouble, made me feel good about myself. I don't have access to the source code on that game, but from watching people play it, it, it does seem a little more organic, I guess. It's very, it's very based on, like, I never got to play the first one, Demon Souls, but I played everything after that. Matter of fact, I've got the creator's name decaled on the back of my Jeep. It, it's very, like... If you press a button, that's what's going to happen. Regardless, if you can click it three or four times and, or you can, you know, try to swing your weapon and then try to dodge out of the way, you are still going to swing that weapon and then dodge. There's like a, it's like, you have to be very intentional about what you're doing or you will die. You're it just gonna doesn't lose. seem like it's changing up the variables to either help you out or hurt you. No, to I mean, well, slow down the progression. Not so much. Not usually slower speed. The progression, not not really. But it I, seems I, like genuine mechanics that are consistent yes. throughout. Just as an outsider watching it, seeing people attempt many times over and over, if it was trying to artificially push people forward, it would just let you. Oh, the boss is easier now. Here you go, and then that that doesn't happen. Yeah, it. Yeah, and I'm just watching. You know, YouTubers play it. I'm, that's what I'm guessing. It doesn't look like it's artificially pushing them through. So it 
maybe it's that genuine experience and it just they didn't expect to have that many people really love that game and maybe maybe that's one of the reasons why there's not a lot of experiences like that and, you know, there's and a challenge well, and it's authentic you're right it's that's exactly what it is because normally you know, a lot of people would be adverse a challenge playing, play, yeah to a challenge playing a game that is purposely harder than what they're used to and there's no difficulty setting so it's just if you can't do it you can't do it try oh, that harder is brutal yeah and but I kind of like that because it forces you into situations where maybe in other games you're like, I guess I'm just not going to play this game anymore. But if you if you really want to, you can sit down and beat that game, even if you're terrible at games. Focusing on the bright side, an app that focuses on authenticity has been getting a lot of users. It's called Be Real. And since it doesn't follow metrics like how many followers you have, at least other users can't see that, there's no pressure to be anything more than yourself. Can an app like this make money and survive? Time will tell. With all these new surveillance technologies, we know companies are going to use these just to try and sell us more stuff. And, you know, these companies have professionals they call closers, but obviously they don't tell the customers that, that we're going to transfer you to our closer. But they want to, to buy stuff. And all of the strategies and techniques and all the knowledge that these professionals have, the last thing we want is this being plugged into some new AI bot agent that can read our emotions and just hammer on us until it makes a sale. No one wants that. And I do have hope in the open source community to create their own agents that we can have that will look out for our best interests, that will hopefully counterbalance all this AI that's going to be weaponized against our wallets. I hope you enjoyed the show, and I'll see you at the next one. Thanks for coming.